Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Drive Into the Basket, part of the Basketball Podcast Network. I am Mike, coming back at you again with a prospect preview. Joined for a third time by Price, who is one of the only people I know who is as obsessively preoccupied with the draft as I am. Thank you, Price, for joining us again. Happy to talk basketball anytime. Absolutely. So uh, today we're going to be talking about every Piston fan's uh, favorite prospect, Keegan Murray, uh, being somewhat facetious there, obviously, is a pretty controversial prospect. So we're doing our typical deep dive into him. This is going to be uh, the last of uh, the prospect deep dives prior to the draft, which is only uh, nine days away from the day we're recording this. Uh, going to be doing a bunch of draft shorts, sort of short, not so deep dives on some of the prospects the Pistons could be looking at if they are to acquire another lottery pick and a potential Jeremy Grant trade. Uh, going to be posting those, I don't know, every every day or two. Uh, leading up to the final pre-draft, pre-draft episode, which we post the next Wednesday. Uh, but today, Keegan Murray. Uh, so just a, a quick note, uh, heading into talking about Murray, uh, about uh, just because the guy, not Keegan Murray, uh, but because uh, the guy being James Edwards has been on the show and is a nice dude. Uh, he's, I know, caught quite a bit of flack from angry fans who may be absolutely, and I would imagine probably none of you uh, who, who listen to the show, but angry fans on Twitter, so... I guess this is just me trying to be supportive. Uh, yeah, don't shoot the messenger, number one. Number two, even if you're on the internet and you're getting a lot of flack, even from people you don't even know, uh, that can be hard on somebody. It's just, uh, yeah, I, I, I just wanted to say that. It's uh, it's just a tough situation to be in. Uh, as far as James is concerned, yeah, I'm, I'm quite confident that uh, he's a guy who reports what he hears. So, All right, so moving on to uh, Keegan Murray, the man himself. So he is a six foot eight. 225 pounds, uh, be about 22 years old when he plays his first NBA game out of University of Iowa. And I'll preface, I'll, I'll qualify the height, same as I have with any other prospect. That's NCAA height with shoes, though. Murray, I would guess, is probably at, at least 6'7". So uh, wingspan, about 7 foot, and a prolific college scorer in his sophomore season. Averaged uh, 23.5 points per game on good efficiency, about 64% true shooting. That included 40% from three and about five attempts per game. And nine rebounds, uh, one and a half assists, one and a half steals, two blocks, two turnovers, two fouls, and got to the line a fair amount too, about five and a half free throw attempts per game. Not the greatest percentage there, only about 75%. So just a brief profile on him. Definitely a very good perimeter shooter uh, and a strong interior scorer. In the NCAA, largely in post-up attempts, which unfortunately don't really translate to the NBA, but good touch around the basket, a good body control with the ball down low, a pretty strong rebounder, and uh, almost certainly going to be the National Player of the Year in, in the in NCAA D1 basketball, you know, for what that's worth. Uh, but I feel like profiling a player, I mean, we're going to go into very significant detail on him. So, uh, yeah, we'll just go ahead and do that rather than going into uh, a, a more expansive general profile on things that we're going to be talking about later anyway. All right. So Price, what would you say you like best about Murray as, as an NBA prospect? Uh, definitely the shooting. I think that it's going to be a very translatable skill for him, um, regardless of whatever team he ends up on, because the mechanics, the footwork, uh, quick shot um, gets it off in all kinds of situations and all kinds of coverages and it falls at a very respectable clip on good volume. Um, and that is going to be, I think, the main draw 
for us as Pistons fans going forward if he's on our team. Yeah, definitely. That NBA high volume, high percentage three point shooting is always going to be an extremely valuable skill in the NBA, no doubt about that. And like you said, Murray, good mechanics, translatable shot. And he doesn't only do it on kind of basic catch and shoot opportunities as well. I mean, that's a very valuable skill too. But he's a player who really makes the smart reads, knows when to reposition himself, knows how to get open, and can fairly quickly catch the ball, gather and take a shot and and have it go in at, at a respectable rate. He shot very close to 40% in the NCAA, and he was very good from above the break. You know, corner shooting is nice, but the the vast majority of the spacing player is going to be doing is uh, the best spacing a player can provide is from above the break. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it could be definitely be his, his bread and butter in the NBA in the long term. Uh, do you uh, see any upside at all for him as as like a motion shooter or a pull up three point shooter? Yeah, I definitely see upside in that regard. I think that there is a very realistic path that he can get to where he's able to take a couple dribbles and then make a pull up um, the very good fundamentals with like his footwork in general. So I think that that's a good asset to sort of build off. Um, and then again, very smart at relocating. So now he just has to do the, that relocation on the move and get his shot off quickly. And then, I think we'll see him be a very effective, uh, not maybe elite level. I wouldn't put him into like a Benedict Matherin or AJ Griffin, let alone a Jabari level of shooting prospect in this draft. But I think that it'll be one of his main assets for sure. Yeah, Off-post. totally agree. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, if you can, I mean, that, that that's, that's just a, a player like that who can play decent defense and, and just shoot threes on high volume. And uh, in high percentage, the guy is going to stick in the league for a long time. It's just, it's a great skill to have for anybody. Uh, if you can just couple a high percentage shooting with it being able to shoot off relocation and just knowing where to go. Like this is something that, uh, that Sadiq Bey is very good at, for example, just knowing where to go to get open, just being able to see ahead make the right reads and get to the right spots. Like uh, I remember a couple of years ago after he had joined the, the starting lineup and this was leading probably like the last month or two leading up to the end of the season prior to the you know season prior to last so leading up to what would be the 2021 lottery and we wanted the pistons to lose and sadiq bay was constantly getting open shots and it's like even against good teams you're thinking why aren't you covering this guy like how is he getting open shots i want the pistons to lose start playing better defense and but a lot of it is just that that sadiq knows the right places to go to get open and, and keegan i believe has as that quality as well and uh yeah as far as pull-up threes i mean great asset to have in terms of uh, just creating a, a, a high percentage shot in the half court, like 35% on pull-ups if you're shooting consistently is, is a good mark. So definitely got the shooting. And, uh, you know, if, if he can develop, uh, you know, good mid-range pull-up, great. Vast majority of you guys don't. So uh, what I think is his his other primary skill right now that he displayed in, in college is, is transition offense. 100% agree that his ability to get up and go, um, both like, catching a rebound and then giving a nice dish uh, to a teammate that's streaking up the floor or himself just grabbing and going. He can get up to a very good top speed and um, he can be very hard to stop in transition. So that is definitely one of his main weapons that will 
very projectably translate to the NBA game, at least right away. Yeah, totally agree. He's uh, it's, it's valuable to have those kinds of players who are both strong rebounders who can who can reliably get that defensive board and then just jet up the floor with it. So Murray isn't the most explosive in the half court, but if you give him time to get up to speed, I mean, I think he'll be a good transition athlete in the NBA. He can get up to that very high top speed. He can finish above the rim if he's got that runway and, uh, and he's got good touch. So that's something the Pistons lack right now is a player who's, who's really strong able to both effectively attack the defensive boards and then just take it up the floor right away. Uh, so that, that would definitely fill a niche the Pistons don't currently have. Uh, the shooting as well. Also, of course, the Pistons are desperately in need of reliable shooting. So, uh, what other um, what other strengths do you do you really see uh, of his at the at the NCAA level? Things he did well that you think he'll be able to translate into the NBA. I mean, I know we've you and I privately have discussed his post offense, which was really his bread and butter, which won't isn't likely to translate to the NBA, which is where NCAA post offense goes to die. Uh, extremely difficult. Very, 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 very few guys can make post offense uh, worthwhile in terms of efficiency on volume in the NBA. But do you think he's going to find a use for it to some degree in the NBA? I think that against smaller players, um, kind of like Bay, he can kind of post down, if you will. He can back him back, him back to the basket and then uh, make pretty decent. He gets pretty decent looks off of his turnaround. Um, I, I kind of like that skill more than what Bay flashed at least early last season mm-hmm. where he was doing that a lot. And it was like, please stop <laughs> ever doing that. Um, so I think there's a little bit more hope that he can be an effective uh, matchup post player and do that on a very occasional level, like probably less than one post up a game just mm. in like the, you know, one, one to less than one, like 0.75. I don't want to give like an exact number on that. That seems like an uh, effort in futility. However, uh, yeah, the the post office is definitely going to be the thing that is going to have to be replaced with something else um, mm-hmm. in the NBA the most if he's actually going to be reliable, um, like second, third option on a team that has any real prospects. Yeah, definitely. Like I'd, I'd say he's quite a bit better in the post than Bay who yes. basically, yeah, you just see him back down small guys and then generally help will come and he'll find himself in no man's land. Like Keegan was actually, like it, his his work in the post in the NCAA was actually pretty darn good. I mean, he's got, he's got good footwork. He's got good body control. He's got really good touch and he's, and he's a strong player. And yeah, so I think, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get one or two shots per game in that area. And, you know, who knows, maybe he can make it kind of a reliable method of creation on low volume. I definitely agree with you on the low volume. Uh, but, you know, it could be a decent tool in his box, so to speak. But, uh, yeah, again, totally agree that uh, this is not going to be a primary means of creation for him in the NBA. So, yeah, so this transition work, his uh, his shooting, uh, his, uh, his work, you know, whatever that's going to be in the NBA uh, from the post. Uh, yeah, would, I mean... I think should be noted as well. Fairly strong offensive rebounder. Just a guy who's good at getting himself in position to to to, to pick up a board, and when he gets it, is good at depositing it in the basket too. So uh, you've got some versatility there. I feel like. Yeah, that's one of his big selling points. Is just a guy who puts himself in a lot of positions to succeed on the basketball court. Mm-hmm. Um, not going to be a guy who really 
beats you off uh, just sheer athleticism alone, like Jaden Ivey um, or even Benedict Matherin, but he'll be a guy who is just plays within himself almost always and will track down boards, crash the rim, um, very strong and heady, good combination of, I think, strength and finesse um, around the rim, which I think will serve him well. It's just a matter of, can he get there reliably? Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you see any upside for him as a role man, for example? I mean, that's, uh, I think we can see, I would say he's got significant upside as a pick and pop player, just as a large Very player much. who is, yeah, who will be uh, able and, and willing to set good screens. And then you have whoever it is, uh, Kate Cunningham, Killian Hayes going around that screen. And then you have Murray just pop out to the three-point line, which I think would be a very high percentage look for him. Uh, do you think he has any upside on the role at all? I think he has uh, some as like an occasional role man because of his uh, just great touch. He's good at catching the ball, unlike uh, Isaiah, who I, I love, love beef stew, but Bad hands. Not, yeah, just not great like touch with the with actually receiving the basketball. Um, so that makes like getting him the ball even harder on top of the athleticism. So mm-hmm. we have like somewhat similar athletic concerns with Keegan. However, at the very least, I think that he might not be a true lob threat, but maybe as just a guy who can go in and uh, kind of on those pick and rolls, he'll be able to um, at least get into the paint and try to make something happen. And he'll, he'll make an effort. That's for sure. Down low. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you put it well. He's a guy who's going to receive the ball well. And, and he's definitely got good touch and yeah, I'll, I'll, all respect and love to Isaiah, who's got many good qualities. Yeah, catching the ball is not really one of them, and I don't think he's really even particularly strong interior scorer. So, but yeah, agree on the role. I mean, Keegan doesn't really have the athletic qualities to to make up for the fact that he's not very tall. Just not. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't think that's necessarily in his future. But who knows? I mean, something that that I think uh, I think deserves discussion as a potential asset is his capacity to possibly play small ball five, maybe in postseason situations. Uh, you know, is that something you'd see would be? would be possibly an effective, uh, an effective role for him, you know, and I think, I know in postseason situations, we've seen small ball five be more and more of a thing in part just with switchable defenders. But uh, do you think that could be an advantageous, uh, something he could provide that could be advantageous in certain situations on offense? Yeah, I think that that is exactly like um, one of the more intriguing components to his game is that when lineups get small, I think that he he'll do really well um, against those kind of like four five tweener types. Um, not that I'd say that he's exactly like a tweener. I think he's kind of strictly a four, but due mm-hmm. to like the smarts and due to the strength, um, that that is some that is something we don't really have on this team is like a really effective like small ball option. Um, I, I'd feel really comfortable about him being like the big. And then because he can also space the floor and then uh, he can also be a, a nice presence down low when needed um, on really small against really small lineups. Yeah. And in that situation, you might feel a little bit more comfortable running him as a role man, even of course, in, in those small ball situations, you're not really worrying too much about the pick and roll. It's, it's more mm-hmm. about just generating good matchups and having maximum floor spacing. But uh, in that situation, if you're up against a much smaller defender, you might feel better about that because you know Keegan is—he's not super athletic. He is 
again, I would guess between six, seven and six, eight without shoes. And, uh, it's, it's around seven foot in the wingspan. So yeah, I agree. That could be a situation in which, in which he sees good use in the postseason as well. Uh, if, if he's up against a smaller center, you might see his, uh, his talents as a post scorer be more valuable, uh, because yeah, I mean, just the situation when, when he's, he'd be more able to, to overpower his opponent and he's still going to have to be just genuinely good at his craft in the NBA to make that worthwhile. But that's a situation in which you might see that be a little bit more translatable. So yeah, I'd, I'd say agree. That's an intriguing, uh, an intriguing potential positive for him. So uh, just going back to the rebounding really quick. I mean, the guys, uh, and this is going to be a theme for us about Keegan, I think just that uh, smart rebounder, a guy who, uh, who just tends to know where to be to pick up uh, often long rebounds. Uh, and like you said, Bryce, he's, uh, he's, you know, both on the defensive and the offensive ends, he's perfectly willing. I mean, he's, is a hundred percent on just on points in terms of getting to the right spot, no matter what. And it's a valuable skill to have. He doesn't have the greatest vertical lift, but he's got good instincts and, uh, and he works hard for it. So uh, yeah, just, um, Moving on to uh, to his defense again. I mean, there are some pluses and some minuses there, but again, just strong in terms of defensive IQ and, and strong in terms of how hard he works. Uh, those are those are both valuable assets, definitely. Yeah, no, even on plays where I don't think he's doing, he's playing particularly well. He's at least playing hard on defense, and ultimately when you have a seven foot wingspan and you're a guy who's going to play north of 230 235 in 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 your prime and you play hard and you're long and strong like that that'll kind of get you to at least where you need to be uh to hang defensively and just not be exploitable in the postseason and we see that time and time again that even a guy who is great on offense and acceptable in the regular season uh, once you get to the postseason, it, it can just those small little micro like matchups. Teams will just hunt for them and hunt for them and hunt for them. And yeah, those small advantages. Yeah, yes, definitely. and yeah. they will exploit them until to the nth degree. And that at least with Keegan, like he he has his issues, but he's not going to be a guy who's going to just give up on plays. Oh, I totally agree. The guy never gives up on anything. Definitely. Yeah. And then on defense, I, I think you'll you'll see some switch. The switchability that's found with him uh, is, I think, going to be more strength switchability than speed switchability. Which uh, you know his 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 ability to switch onto faster NBA players. I mean that that's still a question mark. I think that if he gets switched onto a center, he will be able to put up a fair fight because the guys at about two twenty five right now uh, could definitely get stronger. You know, and I, I know that you think he has the capacity to put on a solid ten more pounds. I mean, he, he is at this point very well built while still appearing kind of lanky. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think that he'll do well on, on matchups that require strength and he's no slouch in terms of his foot speed. There are just some questions about if he's going to be able, maybe, you know, questions about how good his foot speed is really in terms of switching, but uh, definitely knows how to position himself, knows where to be uh, as a smart defender who sees the floor and, and definitely works hard. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And uh, also, like in the NCAA, he he was able to parlay that uh, that's just intuition about positioning into generating a fair number of steals and also into some weak side blocks. Uh, I have my doubts as to if the blocks will actually translate to 
quite that much of a degree. He averaged two per game in the NCAA, which is a lot, needless to say. But um, the NBA moves so much more, so much faster that like uh, you know, if you're a half second slow, then you just probably you know, then the opponent you're not going to get there. Put it that way. If you're just a half second too slow, and Murray isn't the most explosive mover, but who knows? I mean, the, the fact that he has those instincts of knowing where to be. And and knowing when to help and how to help, I mean, those are those are definitely helpful. And who knows, maybe he'll be able to parlay those into, you know, into solid effectiveness as a weak side shot blocker in the NBA too. Yeah, and uh, I think that the one he actually is able to get a, a nice steal and get that um, like uh, pick six going, I think that that's where you really get a lot of value from him. Is and I can see why he was maybe coached that way to do it a lot is because, okay, get up in transition, deny the two points one way, you know, hopefully you get two points the other way, maybe even mm-hmm. three if they follow you. Like yeah. that, uh, another thing is that he he doesn't get fouled a lot on on uh, defense. But he doesn't um, foul very much, yeah. Yeah. Definitely it, two fouls per game, uh, playing as many minutes as he does and playing yeah. as physically as he does. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it might not... Uh, you know, who knows how that'll project. I mean, it's more difficult not to follow in the NBA, but it's definitely a good sign. It's definitely a very good sign when a player plays committed, very hardworking and, and fairly physical defense without, uh, without following. I mean, that's, that's, that's absolutely a good sign. Mm-hmm. But uh, all of this, just talking about his work ethic and his mentality and his basketball IQ just comes back to what I think links it, a lot of this together is just that, um, yeah, smart player makes the right decisions. Uh, not selfish at all, never gives up on a play, never takes a play off. And uh, it's got some leadership quality to him and, and just a consummate team player, which, uh, which is, these are just great qualities to have for, for obvious reasons, uh, both in the individual and the team context. Yeah. No, that, so, that's yeah. his big skill. Uh, yeah. if, if anything could be his big skill, it's, it's his work ethic. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to have more on top of that, of course, but yeah, well, this is, sure. it, it finds th- those qualities of, of just, of just good IQ and, uh, and unselfishness and, and an excellent work ethic and motor, uh, they find their way into everything. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, of course, you know, we wouldn't be talking, uh, you know, uh, it's like, you know, you might be thinking, well, well, it sounds like Keegan Murray is, is, you know, just a great prospect. Obviously he has his minuses, otherwise uh, he would not be quite so controversial prospect, a controversial prospect to, to us or to anybody else. So, uh, let's get right into those. I think that's the number one is questionable potential as a creator. This is the number one five overall pick. This team really, really still needs talent. Uh, you need to have guys who can create offense. It's not just going to be the cage show. You need more than that. You need a lot of talent to compete. You need guys who can go out and get a bucket in the postseason. And post offense was the bread and butter for Keegan at Iowa. Deeply unlikely to translate. And, uh, and the guy has his struggles as he was dreadful at attacking the basket from the perimeter or gaining penetration at Iowa. And so the question is, and, and shot creation, very few guys are able shot creators in the NBA on mid-range pull-ups. There were nine last season who shots, you know, who reached good half, good efficiency on more than three attempts per game. So the question is like, can he be a creator in the half court? So yeah, did you see similar uh, like uh, similar concerns about him in terms of uh, cre- half court creation in the NBA? You know, I I share a lot of of your concerns, um, and I think it comes you know almost directly to his handle, uh, because again, he's not a guy who's going to be beating you with like a good first step, like oh, a, no, like Jay Nivey, who elite first step, for instance, they're not even in the same 
planet or hemisphere or what have you um, in terms of that skill. However, uh, you can make up for that by having a really good handle and just a really good uh, feel for when to get guys off balance and then use transitioning that off balance into a shot attempt at like a reasonable, uh, at least at a reasonable look. Um, he can make contested shots. Um, I like his confidence on step backs. Um, maybe you can hopefully transition that into actually penetrating uh, into the paint. If you can penetrate the paint, then we we uh, actually have we might actually have something here. Um, but yeah, the issue is is of course going to be the the ability to actually attack the basket. That's that's his main thing with his created for himself. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and I mean, I I should just I, I feel like it cannot be reiterated enough at this point. I mean, he this is a guy who's probably going to be national player of the year. And, uh, and scored a lot of points. He was dreadful at attacking from the perimeter, like legitimately dreadful. And, like uh, Price and I both watched a ton of tape, like about all there is to see. And uh, anybody who wants to watch, uh, you know, who wants a good source of tape on any prospect, there's this YouTube channel called The Scouting Rapport, R-A-P-P-O-R-T. And their highlight videos include literally all of the players' highlights, you know, rebounds, assists, made baskets, missed baskets, and whatnot. Uh, watch through all of it you can and see how many times you saw Kiki Murray actually penetrate to the peri- from the perimeter to the interior versus the number of times he got stopped or traveled or gave up the ball or whatever else. He had a really hard time getting past anybody in the NCAA. It was that combination of bad first step of the ball, uh, not the greatest body control, in my opinion, off the drive, and also just his handle is awful. So that's a huge gap if you can't penetrate. I mean, that's that's not only just the, how important it is just to put defenses off balance. I mean, just gaining penetration of its own accord is very nice. You know, if you can take it to the basket and score, then great. But uh, so your question is, you know, can, is Keegan ever going to be able to do that? So, yeah, I, I agree. He's smart and he's strong. If the handle comes along, cool. If not, I don't really know what we're looking at. And I think this is like the number one swing thing. You know, this, this, is, this is the swing ability for Keegan Murray that's going to determine, is he a role player or is he actually going to be a good player who's worthy of being drafted at number five? Yeah, it, exactly. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. Like, um, it, it, it'll be the litmus test for him is when he's 24, 25, 27, like in his prime, is he going to be anything more than just a guy who's really good at like catching boards and catching th- uh, shots on the perimeter? Yeah. And I think like, uh, there has been a Tobias Harris comp that I've seen many times. This, I believe, came from Sam Bassini, who's the mm-hmm. the chief draft guy for the Athletic. I like Sam. And he's, uh, you know, I think he's one of the best draft analysts out there. And uh, I, I definitely, I don't, I tend to do very, very, very detailed research. I sometimes do not get into the second round, and he's the guy I'll look to for that analysis. If if that, uh, if I don't, and uh, but I don't agree with that comp. Like uh, Tobias Harris is uh, like one of his, uh, his, his, his biggest assets is, is, is he's got a great first step and uh, he's, he's very fluid and agile with the ball. He's got a, a pretty darn good handle and, and he just he blitzes in, beats bigger guys, especially, and finishes above the rim. Uh, Keegan can't do that. If he doesn't have that first step, he doesn't have the handle. Um, so he's also not the pure shooter. Like uh, Tobias during his better seasons has been a pretty darn good mid-range shooter too. So yeah, so it's that question, can he create? I mean, that's like the real big thing. Like if we thought, 
if he had an off the dribble, strong off the dribble game at the NCAA, I mean, I wouldn't have any qualms about taking him at five. Would you? No, no. I, he probably wouldn't even make it to five. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he'd be four at the worst. At the very worst, yeah, because I think there is like real concern with Ivy's like overall game that yeah. like if Keegan was like just so projectable as a second option that he'd probably beat out Ivy. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say that's entirely possible. Yeah, if you had a guy who who you know had his character qualities, who had his shooting, um, and who uh, yeah, who just just had all the qualities he has right now, and you add the ability to attack off the dribble, yeah. I mean, 22 or not, nobody cares. In a, in a, in a draft as weak as this, absolutely, I'd say a top four no. pick. Yeah, no, he, he'd, he'd push he'd push in for sure. Yeah, and yeah, that's just the big thing. I mean, for all, in my opinion, for all anybody wants to say, okay, you know, Keegan Murray, always too old or whatever whatever other shortcomings, uh, you know, that you can reasonably, reasonably bring up. If you were a strong creator, I don't think there would be any, you know, there would be no question, okay, that's, this is a good pick and this is a guy who could be a strong scorer in the NBA. Like it, all of the other things we're going to talk about in terms of shortcomings, and there aren't many. It's like this is, in my opinion, just the one. Yes. So yeah, so there's that, and it's like, and we'll talk a little bit later about about how he might be able to bring it together. But uh, just moving on to another weakness, and this is, uh, you know, this is part of why he has trouble with uh, with uh, with penetration. It's just his half guard athleticism is not very good. He talked about the handle, but just his first step with the ball is bad. Uh, he's not an explosive player on the ball, even off the ball, and uh, not a very good top speed either with the ball. No, I mean that's part of like the handle. Like if you don't have the ball under control, yeah, um, then you just simply are going to lose it, like, like very realistically. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's it's tough when you. I feel like when you see him run in, I mean, the moment he takes first contact, he really slows down. Yeah, yeah, that's because of the handle, but. Even off the ball, I mean, the guy's not really an explosive off-ball mover by any means in the half court. He's not the greatest leaper. Uh, can catch some loves, but not really a vertical spacer. And uh, it's, it's just sort of in the nice to have the ability to just explosively attack the basket uh, or really or whatever. Um, but, you know, again, yeah, if he just had that handle, I think he'd be he'd be a good portion of the way there. Uh, how do you feel about his half-court switchability on defense? That is, I think, another... Uh, area of improvement for Keegan is mm-hmm. um, I think that there is upside there at not to necessarily be like a true like lockdown point of the tack guy against like your very best scorers um, especially in like a postseason context but um, what I would like to see improved is like less of uh, kind of like the gambling style um, he can get he can definitely buy in um or buy the those shot fakes a lot and get put out of position. Um, he he will gamble lanes all the time, um, or not all the time, but like a lot. And that is something you you don't like to see, especially with a guy without like the athleticism to like really recover in those situations. Mm-hmm. And he he is just generally weak against like guards switching onto him. They can actually pretty reliably get around him and um even if he he can stay like disciplined in that situation uh it still won't necessarily lead to him like stopping uh a, a player faster than him yeah yeah he's got 
So I, I like to compare him a little bit to Sadiq Bey in this situation. Sadiq is actually like he's he's by no means the most athletic player either. I mean, he's a below average NBA half court athlete. On defense, he handles switches well because he moves his feet very quickly. He takes small short step. He takes excuse me fast short steps, uh, which is great because it, it just it allows you to more easily consistently maintain the right position. Uh, Keegan takes long, much longer, much slower steps, and that's not real. This isn't really. This is more physical rather than something you can be taught. So uh, he's definitely the smarts are there, and he, you know, he can move his feet to a degree. I do worry about him getting targeted on switches. I don't think he'll be a liability, but in the NBA, I mean, you see the success that has been found by the Celtics, for example, and just having a team full of guys who can effectively switch. And mm-hmm. my concern is that you kind of take away from that if you're fielding Keegan Murray in the postseason. Maybe he could surprise us, but it's just a question of foot speed. So do you think he's going to be a liability or just not very good? I think that it. I could see him being like an average point-of-the-tech guy if some of that risky style of play gets kind of cut out and if he learns, as you said, to like really stay in the right position because that's going to be what carries him to an actual high-level success on defense. I don't think he'll ever be like a real good stopper, but I think he could exist in a playoff as the non-weakest link, as maybe your third, fourth best defender, and and that will keep him on the floor. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, yeah, I do just uh, I definitely worry about the explosive guards uh, because yeah. you know who just who have that explosive first step, and his first step is long and slow. So <laughs> uh, who knows? Maybe it can be coached a little bit, but. I don't know. I just, I, I have these, I, I guess I've got like this, this fantasy vision of the team as being able to field, you know, five uh, strong switch defenders in the starting lineup. And it, it's kind of like, don't take my dream away from me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't think that Keegan's going to be bad. I don't think it's, he's going to be like, like you mentioned, and I absolutely agree that teams will just mercilessly target any weakness they can find on either end in the postseason. That, that would be like my worry to compare the another guy we've talked a lot about with uh, Ivy that I think yeah. there's real risk that he's huntable on defense. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't think Murray will be huntable. I just, uh, I just question if he's actually going to be like legitimately good at it to the point where, you know, you just love to be able to feel that really strong postseason switching defense. So, so uh, the final potential minus you could say about Keegan is his age. Now, I don't think it's inherently a minus. Like you, you know, it, it's basically when you're talking about age, it's it's. Uh, I, I think largely just, you know, how much more upside does this guy reasonably have to develop? And you know, if you feel like he's still got room to improve, that that's not a factor. Then really, the only downside of age is that the player is going to have a shorter prime. You know, he's he's coming into the league, he's going to be starting at 22 versus 19 for the average one and done. So that's uh, two and a half, three years less uh, less prime you have if you keep him on the team. Like at the at the end of his second contract, if he's still with the Pistons, uh, he'd be thirty one. So that's a factor. Yeah, I mean the the one thing that at, at the very least, what you get is it, it's very possible for teams to keep their talent, like mm-hmm. first round talent, for like nine years, at least seven, um, is pretty reasonable. And yeah, so I, I'm not super worried about the age. He's late bloomer. He and his twin both grew almost a foot in high school. 
and kind of like that classic story of like, okay, they grew up playing like one, two, and three, and then boom, they shot up and they became like a more skilled, like four, five, even like Jokic is the, like, the extreme outlier of that. Oh, Anthony Davis did it too. Went from point yeah. guard to center in high school. Yeah. 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 AD did it too. Exactly. I'm not saying at all that he's in that realm, but what I am going to say is that like he, you know, took some time, went to prep school, played behind Luca Garzilla in uh, Iowa last year. So the, his trajectory is pretty upward that like maybe his body is like finally catching up to where it should be because he is a little older. He, he is going to be 22. It's not crazy old. It's not mm-hmm. like Duarte. Yeah. Duarte was 20. Was he 24? Yeah. I think he was 24 when he started playing. Like yeah. he entered. Cam the, Johnson was about that age. Yes. 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 Where it's like, or Obi Toppin just getting to the NBA and you're basically done developing. I don't think it's quite to that level. And part of my optimism is that maybe some of the coordination issues that we've talked about with the handle in particular might be kind of ironed out to at least a acceptable degree for a a fifth overall pick by the time he's in his prime, which is still a ways away. He's still very young. Yeah. So I think that's, uh, this is actually a, a great place to transition to uh, really our questions about, about Keegan Murray. And one of those, that's the primary question is how much can he improve? Like, it, you know, can he reasonably improve in, in the important areas and then how much can he improve? And if you feel like he's just really a late bloomer, and I think you definitely make that argument for him. I mean, he, he came into his size late, he came into improvement late. And, and the reason that he's almost 22 after having played only two years is because he went to prep school before he went to college. I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that they didn't really get any offers out of high school. No, no, they didn't. They didn't get any D1 offers. Yeah. So definitely dramatic improvement. And, you know, maybe some cause for optimism in that, okay. And, And maybe, I don't know how likely this is because, you know, the guy was developed enough to be one of the best players in D1 basketball. But, you know, does he still maybe have sort of a case of the lankies, so to speak, which I think is a term I invented out of thin air, maybe not, whatever. Basically just that is, is not fully, still not fully coordinated within his body. And if, if that's, you know, if, if that's the case, and maybe that's the case, then there's more cause for optimism in terms of his handle and his on-ball agility. Uh, because he, he does have the sort of clumsy vibe at this point when, it, when he's trying to drive. But some players are just clumsy, period. Yeah. So... So maybe that's a hope, but uh, so you could see it in that situation. Do you think that maybe there's significant room for improvement with his handle? And in that case, you can you can say, okay, maybe this guy can develop into into the ability to attack off the dribble. Exactly. I think that I kind of lean that way. Um, I've, I've maybe this is partially like preemptive copium for when uh, he's the pick at five, based off of just how reporting and and just talk around the fifth overall pick has kind of uh, trended. Mm-hmm. He's definitely been uh, the pick, uh, the pick that is most projected to us mm-hmm. at five. And what I perceive is his uh, ultimate ceiling is contingent on the handle. And if the handle is able to progress significantly enough, then he'll be worth his pick. Uh, I'm less worth uh, worry about the passing. Um, 
I think that 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 is something that he's already fine at doing. He's not exceptional at it, but once that comes along uh, with the handle, I, I should say, you might be looking at a guy who is worthy of of that high of a pick. Yeah. Yeah, the passing, which uh, yeah, I don't think really, I don't think we got into that in the, in the downsides. Well, we just don't know about about Keegan's passing. Is like he he wasn't really asked to play within the flow of the offense at Iowa. Basically, his participation in the flow of the offense in the half court was either get open for a three or we'll give you the ball in the post. He wasn't really required to make system passes, so to speak. They were generally just very easy passes. That's part of the reason why he had such a low turnover rate. He was not driving into the interior, which is much higher turnover territory. He wasn't making passes off the run, which is much higher ter- turnover territory. And instead, he was just making very easy passes and attempting low turnover forms of offense. But, you know, and, and who knows, maybe he's a better passer than he showed because he wasn't, you know, he just wasn't asked to pass. Yeah, good yeah, point. His, his usage percentage to assist percentage is titanic. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. the, 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 yeah, the ratio of that is titanic. It's just huge. So maybe he's a decent passer. But I agree. If his handle comes along and he's a decent passer, then you know, great. You can penetrate. You can make passes off the dribble. You get three point shooter. You can contribute spot offense elsewhere. You're smart. Uh, you're not hesitant to put in the work. You know, cool. Maybe you got a third option on a good team. Uh, but it's the likelihood of if the handle is going to come along. I mean, I want to put you on the spot here, but you know, if you're going to give a no BS assessment, I mean, what do you think the likelihood is? You know, what what are the odds you weigh on his handle improving enough? I'll take a coin flip. Oh, really? Um, that much? Yeah, yeah. I'll take, I don't know if I should hedge and say not to the level of being like like a, a uh, Paul George sort of like meteoric rise in terms of his handle development, but at, at least to get to that level, I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, that's uh, that's optimistic and I, who knows? I, I, would, I would rate it a little bit less just because i mean it would be an unusual outcome and i'm not my inclination is to not bank on unusual outcomes just when it when it comes to i mean it's funny to say this i'm not the one making the decision but if i were making the decision uh, uh, that's just uh that's a sort of risky decision that it's, it's like you just don't have that much of a precedent of somebody improving their handle that much but it does it has happened and so but I, I totally agree if you can do that then then cool you might have a much better nba player if his handle remains so poor that he and, and just is just overall remains very disadvantaged in, in attacking against what's going to be much better opposition than he faced in the NCAA, then I just don't see it as a creator, barring that very, very unlikely chance that he becomes a good shot creator, because hardly anybody does. A real quick message from our sponsor, DraftKings. Are you ready for the NBA champs to be crowned? Join the finals action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA bet and get $150 in free bets instantly. Looking to turn another small bet into a big payday during the NBA Finals? With DraftKings Same Game Parlay, you can do just that. This NBA season, a customer placed a $5 Same Game Parlay and won over $5,000. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more. And boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN and make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals. Get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So, uh, you know, beyond that, beyond just the handle and and maybe just growing into further coordination in his body in general. Uh, yeah, I don't know if there's really much we can look at Keegan Murray and say that he's really going to has, has the potential to improve a great deal. And just with the proviso that again, if he can improve that, then maybe you've got you know legitimately good number three option on a contender 
I'd say that that's the ceiling. Like maybe on defense, just improve. Um, I mean, you're going to see him try to adapt to, to switching better at the NBA level. But this is kind of like one thing where I don't know if it's his age, but yeah, I, I feel like there's also just the fact that he's, he's solid in a lot of ways and that a lot of the ways in which he is not solid are the result of just athleticism, just physical components that can't really be altered. Yeah, exactly. Barring a massive increase in athleticism due to like him being truly like this late bloomer and his athletic ceilings actually much uh, further uh, or much higher rather than we're giving him credit for. Um, Which is massively uh, unlikely. (laughs) Yeah, I, I mean, it's not technically impossible. It's just something that is even more unlikely than like a, a dramatic Im- improvement in his handle or dramatic improvement in other areas. Um, yeah, realistically, the defense probably gets gets better with like a less uh, dominant role in the offense just mm. due to like just a, a same argument that I, I've made in the past with like Matherin is that like uh, less like usage, even if it's like off ball usage and he's just like less of a core component of a NBA offense might allow some of the defensive consistency issues that he gets with like his uh, maybe overly aggressive play at times. Um, And not in terms of fouling, but in just terms of getting out of position might like improve. And maybe that's just a coaching thing. And, and who knows? Uh, I think that that's like pretty realistic, just being just better on switches, being more disciplined when he's up against quicker guards and Mm -hmm. uh just keeping more active feet um that might be like a little area of improvement that like could could go a decent way to ironing out uh some of the concerns we've raised but again i think his swing skill is the is the handle to be able to create uh, uh penetration yeah definitely swing skill Absolutely agree. So uh, why don't we move on to, uh, to to what his fit with the Pistons might be? <clears throat> so of course, this is a team being built around Cade, and and I guess all of it just basically the fit is absolutely going to depend on you know how he develops because you see like his his worst outcome where his handle never improves or whatever the case he's just not able to create offense for himself. But in that case, is not a good floor outcome in my opinion. Because then you've got a great deal of overlap, I would say, between he and Sadiq Bay. I mean, not only that, you've got you've got one forward who is sort of a below average NBA athlete, and another one who's average at best as an NBA athlete, and they're both occupying the same niche of you know we're just going to get open for threes, we're going to do some work in the interior uh, using strength, and you've got a lot of overlap there. You know, you you can't you can't really have two guys who are just really going to be getting most of their offense by getting open for threes. I mean, you don't. You want to have more shooters, but you've got kind of less value out of both of them, and you've got both of them having identical weaknesses. Yeah, it's this really interesting situation where Keegan is a high floor prospect with some degree of risk for Pistons at five. If, if like it's almost as if we if we had fallen to six or seven in the draft, then actually Keegan's a little little more understandable just due to like how like likelihood of success tends to decrease rapidly the lower you pick. Um, And so, pardon me, that there is a lot of risk drafting Keegan uh, at five 
due to, as you said, like the low end outcome actually means that he kind of competes directly with Sadiq Bey. And maybe that would force one of them to go to the bench, which I don't exactly love that idea, or more Mm -hmm. likely one would be traded for the other, depending on how it all shakes out in three, four, however many years. Um, it, it, it is good to get another shooter in the building, which, Absolutely. which I mean, you know, at least initially is going to be fine because just getting another guy who can rotate in um, and provide spacing for us would be huge. And then you, you look at like uh, the potential of how he would, lead to like a Jeremy Grant trade because I don't think you're you're drafting a power forward at fifth overall and keeping Jeremy Grant on the roster. I Hope just not. don't think that that even more than the overlap with Bay, which is very real at, at least initially. Um the 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 positional uh because both guys are like kind of strictly fours in the modern NBA, you'll you'll have to move Grant. So for some people that might be a huge plus. Um, but that would of course then necessitate like further like recontextualization of the team based off of what that trade looks like, which I'm sure you'll get into with uh, potential um, fits for different draft picks that might become available for us or different mm-hmm. players, etc. cetera. Um, so it gets hard to really answer that question if we're actually drafting Keegan, if that makes sense, because it, it probably means another big yeah. along, coming along. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's not. Here's something I think is worth saying, and uh, obviously this, you know, this is this is me stating the obvious here, is that it, it wouldn't like in, unless Keegan comes in and and develops himself into like a, a decent creator off the dribble, then it's not a one to one trade. I mean, Jeremy Grant is a guy who can absolutely create off the dribble. Yep. And I don't necessarily agree that he's strictly a four. I think he's better at that position just because he's he's going to be faster than the average power forward and can can more ably beat them off the dribble, but. Yeah, definitely not a one-to-one trade. I mean, Jeremy is a is a capable creator. This is one of the reasons, you know, it's, it's it's a reason why he's such a, a sought-after player in the trade market. So, uh, you know, if if Keegan comes in and he can't create, again, you've got that overlap with Bay. You got to find that creation somewhere else in the lineup too. So, uh, I mean, like we've said, the you know, on, on the last episode, I believe we discussed this. I mean, the only knock against Jeremy is timeline. If you're two, if you're three, even two years younger, I don't think this would even be a discussion of trading him. So. But yeah, I mean, if you tra- if you draft Murray and you're not trading Grant, that's a that's a disappointing outcome. I mean, not ideal. It's I don't think it's out of the question that Murray would just come in and play from the bench. But barring that, yeah, your your lower end outcome when you have a lot of overlap between Keegan and uh, Keegan and Sadiq, and you know you're kicking one of them to the bench for the sake of a player who isn't. You know, it's not like oh well, you played a better player. It's like okay, then you're kicking Sadiq to the bench for the sake of a guy who isn't a very strong player. So. Yeah, that's that's definitely a risk. I mean, I think his only good fit with the Pistons is if he, especially at, at five, is if he develops into that decent creator, at which point it's cool. You give him more of that role in the offense and he's not just basically playing Bay's role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's where it's tough to, to peg a fit because, you know, at his floor, yeah, I agree. At his floor, it's not only that you're just drafting a role player, it's that you've got, is that Bay projects as a, as a fixture in the starting lineup and you've got guys who are overlapping and making each other less valuable. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's a disappointment of, the, of a pick in, in two different ways. Um, yeah, so that is that is a risky outcome. And another one, like I've, I've really badgered on a ton about athleticism. Like Cade and Bay, both below average NBA athletes. Athleticism is a great quality to have. You don't need it, but it's a great quality to have. You do not want to be weak in it on a lineup-wide level. 
And Keegan's like average at best as a half court athlete. So he's not a minus athlete, but he's average at best. So not really what you'd like to have in there in that capacity either. I just, I know this is along the same lines, but you know, he's been linked to the Pistons for a long time. What is it? If you think you're Troy, Troy Weaver, you know, what is it you really, though it's not only Troy in the, in the front office. So we'll just go with what are the, what, if you're the front office, what is it you think that they really see in Keegan that makes them think he might be the guy at number five? I, I think that if they, and th- they could be wrong in this, but mm-hmm. if they see him as like the, the pick at five based off of how the board falls, then they're seeing that the coordination um, is actually got a lot of room for improvement and that they think that they can mold him into that like second or third op, more likely third option on, on a good team with Cade. And then you can slot in like athletes and shooters, like kind of around them. Yeah. Two and five. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've got it. I mean, this is just, there's no getting in ahead of anybody. I mean, in, in terms of what, uh, what qualities they value more, do they value certain qualities too much, whatever else. I mean, I've got to think that if he's taken at five, it's because they think that he has upside as a creator. Yeah. So I, I just, um, you know, it was front offices, nobody's infallible. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give uh, Troy Weaver the benefit of the doubt until the Pistons are contenders. Uh, mistakes can be made. He's not perfect. He did get very lucky in being able to draft Cade. And so, you know, we'll see. It's it's not, there are very, 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 very few executives or coaches or, or even players I'm willing to look at and just give the benefit of the doubt and say these people are going to make the right decisions. And I might not see it, but it's probably the right decision anyway. I, I don't think Troy Weaver has, has gotten anywhere near that level yet. So who knows? But, but, uh, yeah, I, I've got to think that I would hope that they would not be drafting him at number five, that he would not even be really be, being being considered if they did not think highly of his upside as a creator, or at least moderately well. Yeah. Yeah. This just brings it back. I used to watch a lot more hockey than basketball, and Robbie's had a lot of good players, but uh, there was only one player ever in hockey I looked at, and I was like, okay, I might think he's doing the wrong thing, but I'm just going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say he's doing the right thing. And that was Nicholas Lidstrom who is like one of the all-time hockey geniuses. And it's like, okay, I might not agree, but this is like the guy I'll say, like, okay, well, I'm confident he made the right decision, even if I didn't see it. Because <laughs> yeah. he never made mistakes. I saw him make one mistake. Yeah, it, it was once in a blue moon. Oh, yeah, I saw him make one mistake ever. It was in his the preseason prior to his final season. And I was like, what on earth just happened there? Because that was definitely a mistake. That's, that's just a mark of how amazing he was at, at the game of hockey. Yep. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I, I think we've, uh, we've gone in depth uh, pretty well on Keegan. And I think, I think it basically for the both of us boils down to if he's taken at five and he develops uh, into, you know, he develops a good off the dribble game or who knows, maybe even a good shot creation game. Again, very unlikely. He's a good pick. And if he doesn't, he's a bad pick. Yeah, pretty much sum it up. Yeah, it would be um, a disappointing outcome at five if he can't get there as a creator on some level. Yeah, and you'd be taking him over guys who might have more upside. I'd say it wouldn't be a bad pick, but it would be a yeah. disappointing pick. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily quite that black and white because because I think that he is going to play in the NBA for a while. Mm-hmm, I um, agree. And so it's not like it's a complete bust where it's like, oh, he Jamarcus Russell himself out of the league. Oh, that guy. Something. Yeah, that that's an extreme example in a different yeah. sport. At, but yeah, the NFL. Yeah, in the NFL, right? But it, it I still like to think um, yeah. that that at least Keegan is going to 
contribute on NBA teams for a decade plus, and that's not a failure. It, but but it might be disappointing. Yeah, I'd say at this stage of the rebuild, it'd be a particular disappointment too. Yeah. With the Pistons, probably, hopefully, like unless a lot goes wrong with developments heading out of the lottery in the not so distant future, and you're gonna have to hit on a good pick somewhere else, probably. Uh, but yeah. it would be a disappointing outcome at this stage. So yeah, I'll, I'll revise what I said. I agree. Do you put it better? Not a bad pick if he doesn't develop that aspect of his game, but definitely deflating and disappointing. No doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all right. So with that, let's move on to some listener submitted questions. Uh, one of, so the first one we got about Mark Williams, how would you feel if the Pistons got another lottery pick Jeremy and the good and Jeremy Grant trade with drafting Mark Williams, Mark Williams, uh, seven footer center out of Duke. Uh, just give a quick profile. Williams, a pretty traditional rim running big, uh, excellent wingspan. I think it's like seven, seven, uh, tremendous standing reach. Uh, he is pretty darned athletic too. Uh, excellent leaper dunks, everything strong role, man, very strong interior score on offense that's created for him. But like other traditional bigs does not have much of the ability to generate anything. And, uh, just some questions about his defensive IQ to a bit. It might just be honest though. So yeah, what, what, I mean, and I guess, like, let's assume, because I don't think the Pistons are going to pick him at seven. Like, let's assume the Pistons get, like, number 10 or whatever else, even if the Pistons get, like, number 12. Uh, what would what would your thoughts about Mark Williams be at that point? Yeah, I, obviously that's in a presumed, like, Jeremy Grant trade. Um, yeah, I don't think he'd be the target at, at seven. Um, but I think that you said it pretty well. You, said, you gave the boiler, boilerplate version of Mark Williams. Just, I love him plays nice basketball, tremendous standing reach. I think it's one of the best ever um, mm-hmm. that's been measured. I think it's like almost 10 feet, uh, which is going to be very advantageous for him uh, in the NBA. However, again, there isn't a ton of like offense that he is able to really provide other than pick and roll guy. Um, I do think his upside is higher on offense than defense, weirdly even if he'll probably be a really good like weak side blocker. I, I do sometimes worry about like the IQ um, relative to other potential bigs. Yeah. Uh, as like a real true, like, like a rim protector. Um, yeah. I, I think you summed it up well. Yeah. I think my, my question about him and this is becoming an all important skill is switch defense. I think that there are very few bigs who can, you know, especially guys his size, who can get down into a low position and guard on switches and move move their feet. So if you can basically do all of the above, just be a good rim runner and, and score, uh, you know, and just be a real great vertical spacer and score a lot of points on offense created for you by others and be a decent rim protector, then if you can add a good switch defense to that, then you can play, you can be a good low-cost center on any postseason team. But I don't think Williams is going to be quite that strong as a, as a switch defender. He might not be bad, but you really want to be, if you're not like genuinely good at it in the playoffs, then you'd better be a strong scorer on the other end if you're going to be worthwhile presence at center and not be like a guy who just plays like 18 minutes. So I think he'd be a really good regular season team for a regular season center for a team like the Hornets. Just a guy who's, who's going mm-hmm. to be a solid, low cost, low usage center mm-hmm. for a team that just doesn't require much out of them. So for the Pistons, they're not at that point. I don't think, and, and you can find these centers later. It's just, it's a position in which you can most easily find guys later. Yeah. So yeah, I probably would say no. I'd rather have that pick go to go to a perimeter player. 
even if it's like even if it's number twelve. And if it's number seven, if the Pistons are taking a center, I'd have it be Jalen Duran, who I think has much higher potential. Yeah, I mean the 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 stuff that's coming out about Duran with the uh, the athletic gifts that he has in terms of size, mm-hmm. quickness, length, and also maybe actually pretty good offensive IQ in like like a limited use role yeah. um, as a passer maybe, and then kind of building out from there. Super young, probably going to be one of the youngest players in the league next year. I think he just turned 18. Like he reclassified. He'll be 18 and a half, I believe. 18 and a half. There we go. Maybe at at the draft. I mean, I I can, I've got, uh, I've got this, uh, this giant list of uh, of player profiles I made in front of me. So uh, yeah, Duran will be 18 and a half at the draft. So he won't be 19 yet when he plays his first NBA game. Yeah. Very young. And yeah, I I totally think that Duran is kind of a, more enticing prospect probably doesn't make it to 10 if mm. i had to put money on it I think, I think the spurs are that would be like a home run pick for them yeah or the blazers if they keep their pick oh yeah yeah exactly if they don't trade for grant or og ananobi um oh yeah i i my doubt is if even he was he was even on the market in the first place i doubt if, he is oh oh yeah i mean the raptors would be fools to move him for anything less than a superstar yeah yeah so i would say yeah about williams like he does have very, very impressive uh, measurements. Like the guy, yeah, nine, nine foot nine standing reach, seven foot six and a half wingspan. Uh, he's 240 pounds at five and a half percent body fat. I mean, these are all impressive, but it comes into context. It's it's just like uh, the, the value that you're going to get from him versus, you know, versus what you can get. It's just the switch defense. If you're a strong switch defender, it's like absolutely take him. If you're a strong switch defender with those measurements, also he'd be well within the top 10. So I wouldn't say he'd be much of a priority for the Pistons in there at, at, at this point. Uh, number two, does how Kevon Looney has played for the Warriors in the playoffs give you any more hope for Stewart? I mean, yeah, we've got some big Stewart fans around. Uh, I would say I'll just stack with this one if you don't mind. Nope. So uh, Looney is in a special situation. Uh, you will not find a team uh, like in terms of teams you can go to as a center and, and do a good job like in a championship team and have the fewest possible, fewest responsibilities you possibly can have. That's the Warriors. So Looney isn't super athletic. He's not a vertical spacer. And uh, he um, basically, if you put Stewart on the Warriors, you know, I think you'd win a championship with him at center. Uh, Looney, like the, the main knock about not main knock against Stewart is that he can't play in the pick and roll. And that's an issue for most teams. That's an issue for Cade. Absolutely. Who runs, who just, who makes his living in a high pick and roll. Uh, the Warriors do not run the pick and roll. Aside from that season in which Curry and Thompson were both injured, uh, they have, I think in every single season since Steve Kerr took over, been the lowest volume pick and roll team in the entire league. You don't need to run the pick and roll with Steph Curry. They do not run it. Uh, they do not run the pick and roll very often. Uh, they just, they run with a ton of switches and perimeter shooting and et cetera, et cetera. So Kevon Looney's his athletic shortcomings don't matter. He can switch. He can, he can rebound well. He can score at a fairly high percentage in the paint and he can make passes. And that's good. And if Stewart on the Warriors, it'd be fine. If Looney were on the Pistons, he would not. So my answer there is no. Uh, I agree that Stewart is, has to really um, develop as a shooter, I think, before we can even consider him as like a viable uh, playoff rotation, like mashup center. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the shots, I think, will go a long way toward making him a valuable bench player. I think he could still be... Yeah, and it's just in the playoffs, even coming off the bench. I mean, with a team like the Pistons, who are gonna still wants to run, who are still going to want, you know, you, you're just going to have to run, continue running the pick and roll in the playoffs with the Pistons, if you're most teams. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's a guy who too could be a rotation player right now in the playoffs, even without a shot. But yeah, I, I don't think even becoming a, a real knockdown shooter is going to keep him on, is going to make him a viable starting center in the playoffs or necessarily in the regular season unless he's got a role man next to him, a power forward, and those are hard to find. So, but yeah, put him on the Warriors. Absolutely. Could be a, a starting <laughs> starting center for a championship team. Yeah, strong switcher, strong yeah, overall Stuart, defender. That's that's funny. Yeah, Stewart would probably do really well on the Warriors. Yeah, it's just the Warriors was such a special case, such an unusual case. I mean, I think if you, anybody who brings up the Warriors in any situation, I, I don't think they're much of a comparable. They're inherently an exception. So I think that they're not really, I don't think they're an applicable example in the, in, in the majority of cases when you're talking about how to build a team and how to run a team and how to coach a team. Uh, they're just, they're so exceptional in so many ways. Uh, all right. So uh, that'll be it for this episode. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks again, Price, for guesting with us. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at uh, to the basket pod. That's T-O, not the number two. As always, thank you for listening. Catch you in the next episode.